December 24th, 2021. Ironically, this is podcast number 24. I didn't plan it that way. In fact, this is going to have an entirely different subject. I was going to talk about the 441 Forgiveness Plan. I'll still do that, but that's going to be in 2022. So this podcast follows the written version, only I like to add some things along the way. So please bear with me as I continue to enjoy this platform. Silent Night, Holy Night, words of truth during World War I, fighting words of the 21st century. All over the world tonight, people will be singing Silent Night, Holy Night. But will they even contemplate the deep-seated controversy of this song written 203 years ago? Probably not, unless they are an educator, and especially a choral director, which I was for over four decades. The following is an excerpt from my book, Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child. The song that started it all. The day I broke out in hives, believing the ACLU invaded my classroom, preparing a brief to fire me. You probably need to see the previous blog for that story. But nevertheless, I thought the ACLU was there to get me. It provided a comical outcome to my paranoia. And again, go back to that blog and you'll see exactly what happened. However, I am more prone to believe John Lennon's definition of paranoia. He says, paranoia is just a heightened sense of awareness. Oh, I like that. My decades of employment in the public school system witnessed a questioning of my classroom practices and on some occasions the choice of repertoire. I achieved a heightened sense of awareness under the scrutiny of the new secular progressive flames, which caused my inner flame to radiate less. The attempt to remove Christmas music began innocently enough with one of the world's most favorite songs. Imagine the final day of school before a major winter break. Oh, let's be real and call it Christmas. The halls ring filled with children singing holiday songs. An elementary music teacher leads the impromptu hallway concert. How could this innocent setting become the launch pad for removing Christmas songs from the public schools? I would imagine our elementary teacher looked at a holiday sing-around as an appropriate way to end the semester. Whether she chose the songs or allowed the students to choose really doesn't matter. The students sang the song, Silent Night, Holy Night and thus started the war on Christmas with a shot fired across the nation via an angry parent. I was warned about this case as a student teacher. Eventually, the litigation made its way all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The suit was filed by an atheist parent on behalf of his son. Take a moment and Google, and I really want you to do this, Google Silent Night, Holy Night, and the U.S. Supreme Court you will find at least six pages of different bans, lawsuits, court fights, and arguments pro and con for the singing of this piece. Ironic, this one piece could be so controversial. During a World War I Christmas truce between the British and the Germans, both sides agreed to put down their arms during the singing of Silent Night, Holy Night. While this song brought about a truce in 1914, 
It started a war of words in the 1970s, and it still continues today. According to the National Association of Music Education, of which I was a member for decades, and here I quote, the study and performance of religious music within an educational context is a vital and appropriate part of a comprehensive music education. The omission of sacred music from the school curriculum would result in an incomplete educational experience. The association continues with their interpretation of the First Amendment. And here I quote again, The First Amendment does not forbid all mention of religion in the public schools. It prohibits the advancement or inhibition of religion by the state. A second clause in the First Amendment prohibits the infringement of religious beliefs. The public schools are not required to delete from the curriculum all materials that may offend any religious sensitivity, end quote. The chorales of J.S. Bach, the Hallelujah Chorus from George Friedrich Handel's Messiah, spirituals, and Ernest Bloch's sacred music all have an important place in the development of a student's musical understanding and knowledge of our history. Each time I approached any Christian-oriented song in class, I always gave students the option not to perform it. Let me tell you that one more time. Students had the right in my classroom to opt out of any song that they felt did not agree with what they believed in. I recall one or two times where this did actually happen. One student volunteered to turn the pages for our accompanist. Another student quietly walked off the stage during the performance of the song in question, then returned for the remainder of the concert. I celebrated the rights of those students not to perform, and I celebrate those rights today. Teachable moment, if you'll remember from the last blog and podcast, for every anecdote that I shared, I always had a teachable moment afterwards because that's how I learned. Before introducing any religious song, I always asked my middle, high school, and collegiate students their interpretation of the Supreme Court rulings on public school students singing Christian content songs. Many of these students stated it was illegal, which is a message often promoted by teachers too afraid to allow those songs performed in public or simply by ignorance. I explained a religious song may be legally sung in the public school classroom as long as no one felt coerced to rehearse or perform it. Our servicemen and women fight today and fought in yesterday's wars for a student's right to withdraw from singing any questionable song. Yes, that may seem a little overdramatic, but honestly, isn't that what we're fighting for? Is for the freedom to make those decisions? For the freedom for students to be in a classroom where they're never confronted about their ideas or about their beliefs? The above is an example of my entire book. When sharing any teaching experience, I always followed it with a teachable moment. And here is some great news. I was recently informed that a principal in Cleveland, Ohio, made my book required reading for the entire staff. My life's pur purpose, post-teaching, is to give teachers tools to navigate the strange waters churned about by today's secular progressives and woke mob influence in our public schools. 
But that is not my only charge. There are four points of view in my book, students, parents, teachers, and administrators. It's time for all of those points of view to come together for the good of our children and the welfare of our nation. Perhaps then we can truly achieve all is calm, all is bright. Tune in soon, probably 2022. Yep, those are my dogs. They're barking. It's time to be fed. It's the new year, so it's time for the 441 Forgiveness Plan. If you are following my blog and podcast, you may have expected that subject today. As I await the arrival of Christmas Eve, I look forward to the singing of Silent Night, Holy Night with my son, daughter-in-law, and three grandchildren. It takes me back to my childhood where this song was celebrated without consternation, a time when life was simpler. Perhaps not better as far as economic measurements, mean income, and the ever-worshipped internet, but it was a time of respect, mutual respect for each other's views, religious observation, and yes, my friends, even politics. Please share this link with any and all. Read more of my thoughts at rescuetheteacher.com. That's rescuetheteacheralloneword.com. If you're experiencing unfair practices in your teaching position, please reach out to me at my email, rescuetheteacher at yahoo.com. Again, that's rescuetheteacher, all one word, at yahoo.com. Hey, here's even a better idea. Propose a book study of Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child for your school district. Merry Christmas. Happiest of holidays. See you in the new year.